reading is from John 18, verses 28 through 40. Then they laid Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Did you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, I am a Jew. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So, you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So did you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. There was a small boy that had been consistently late for dinner. As you can tell, I'm not usually that late for dinner. <laughs> but one particular day, his parents, after warning him to be on time, he was later than ever. And as this young boy began to come into the house late, his family was seated around the dinner table, and he went to sit in his normal spot, and what he found on his plate was a piece of bread and a glass of water. The young man was a little dejected, but he knew that he had been warned. He knew that he had been in trouble. And as that young man sat there, he began to notice the hand of his father reaching over and grabbing his plate. And he grabbed that plate, and the father set it in front of himself, then took, the father took his plate, which was full of that night's meal, and took it and set it in front of the young boy, and the father just smiled. When that young boy became a man, he said this. He said, I learned a lot about God through my father that night. You see, that, that young man realized that he was he was the one that was guilty. He was the one that should have been punished, but his dad exchanged his meal, his punishment, for his own. So his dad ate the bread, 
and the son had a full meal. Now, I share this with you this morning because we are looking at in our series today a series of unfortunate events that we're going to consider the great exchange. And if there is one thing I would like for us to go home with is, is for you to understand that we deserved the punishment Christ took. And so we're going to look at Christ, our substitute, the great exchange. You see, in our text this morning, we begin to see that Jesus is accused as a criminal. A criminal. Now, think about some of the criminals that are in prison today. We know some famous ones, Charles Manson, right? Uh, recent, maybe uh, because it was from my area, many of you may have heard of Scott Peterson. Uh, that, that was very popular on national news. It just happened to be in the town right next to us. Uh, he murdered his wife. So Jenny always was a little concerning when I came home with a boat and cement. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should be concerned if she brings home a boat and cement. But Jesus was accused as a criminal, as someone who, who was vile, who who deserved to be behind bars or even worse, death. But, you know, the question that comes to mind is, is, is what did he do? Why did he deserve to be, to be accused as a criminal? And the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, des, they described his actions to Pilate as evil. Notice what they said. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Now, let's, let's just kind of think back in our readings of the Gospels and the life of Jesus. What did Jesus do to be accused as a criminal? Now, think about this. Don, he caused the blind to see. He made the lame to walk. He healed men who had leprosy and their skin was clean and white as snow. Healed from that affliction. He even raised people from the dead. Are those actions worthy of death? He taught the people the truth of God's Word. But yet, it riled some of the people in his day in their hearts that they wanted to accuse him because he was doing evil. But what was the purpose behind all of Jesus' actions? Why did he have so many miraculous healing uh, uh, events? Why did he teach from the Old Testament some wonderful truths concerning himself. I love what the Apostle John writes. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. You see, what Jesus came and He did all these miraculous things uh, 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 you know, things of, of healing and, 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 and raising people from the dead and, and his teaching was that you might believe and not accuse him as a criminal. That you might believe and not view him as someone who is evil. Jesus is somebody that we must believe in because of who he is. He is the Son of God. But that was the very thing that offended so many. So much so then, they clamored for his death. When I think about this, this thought, I, I just keep going back to, to that scene in the Passion of the Christ where the crowds were just crying out, crucify him, crucify him. The, this, these Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were bent on seeking the death of Jesus. Because he told them the truth, that he is the Son of God, but to them he blasphemed. Uh, uh, there are several scriptures, so I'm going to share with two with you this morning, for you to get the idea of just how long <laughs> they were seeking the opportunity to put Jesus to death. Notice the first one is in John chapter 5 verse 18. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You see, the Pharisees and Sadducees, when they looked at Jesus, they saw Jesus as a man. How many times do we see throughout Scripture that, that they really stumbled over the thought looking at Jesus? You know, he, he's from Nazareth. Even one of his own disciples said, there's no good thing that comes out of Nazareth. They struggled with him. They, they would look at him about his heritage and where he's from. Well, he's, he's the child of Joseph and Mary, the carpenter's son. They were offended because he told them the truth, that he is the Son of God. Another scripture in John 7, 1, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea. Why? Because the Jews were seeking to kill him. They were mad, and they wanted to kill Christ. They accused him as a criminal because he did something evil, something so, so worthy of death. What did Jesus do? Nothing, because even Pilate declared his innocence. Jesus is innocent innocent Pilate asked him are you a king <laughs> you know the truth is he is Jesus is king of kings and lord of all the creator of the universe the maker of men and Jesus answered Pilate my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not 
from the world. Jesus is king. Now, now what is Jesus? We, we kind of look at this, you know, kind of a, a big picture view, if you will. Do you know that when God created all the universe, he reigned over it all? He created man perfect in the garden. And God had only one restriction for Adam and Eve in the garden. Do not eat from the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Satan came, tempted Eve. Eve took of the fruit, ate, gave to her husband. He ate willfully. Sin entered the world. They rebelled. In other words, they, 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 what they did with the reign of God is they, they, they just tossed it off themselves and said that I can reign. And ever since that time, men think they can rule themselves. Can I just give you something, a hint? No matter all the, 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 of the leaders, world leaders today, God's still in control. He's still in charge. God still reigns. And our creator, our king, came to earth to be a man. And his kingdom is not of this world. It's larger than that. His reign and everything that he did by coming to this earth and dying on behalf of men was that he might bring everything back to its original intention that God would have supremacy and reigning over all things. Our God reigns. His kingdom is not of this world. He said if it was of this world, guess what? Man, he would have trained his disciples and others to fight. Now, Peter tried in the garden, right? He cut off Malchus's ear, a servant of the, of the high priest in the garden, and Jesus told him what? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. But that wasn't Jesus' purpose. Jesus' purpose was to come into this world and die for you and for me. He came to bear witness of the truth that he is the Son of God. And as the Son of God, Jesus King, as the Son of God, in him is no sin. I got to advance the slide. I got to remember that. Pilate came to him and said, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is, not a, who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is the truth? That Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. The Son of God. God manifested in the flesh. Came to this world sinless to take our place on the cross at Calvary so that we can have a relationship with him. Jesus is innocent. What evil has he done? What bad things has he accomplished? Pilate said to him, excuse me, to the Pharisees, 
or he asked to Jesus what is truth. And then after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Okay, Pilate, who's not Jewish, he's a Roman governor, goes back after all that Jesus said, he's done nothing wrong. He has done nothing wrong. I find no guilt in him. But boy, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were bent on the downfall of Jesus. You know, I think Isaiah had it right. And for some reason, I don't have it in here. I apologize. Isaiah 53.3, that's not Walter's fault, by the way. That's mine, right, Walter? I just sent you what I had, right? Yeah, that's mine. I'm guilty. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. You see, Jesus was innocent, and he is exchanged for the guilty. Perhaps this should be called the great compromise. You see, Pilate was under great political pressure from Rome. He was at odds with the emperor, Caesar. There was not to be any more uproars or riots in Israel. The Jews were taking advantage of the situation and began to, to, to tell Pilate, look, he deserves death. And they kept pressing and pushing. And so what did Pilate come up with? He says, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cry out again, not this man. In other words, he ain't our king. Kind of like he ain't our president. Never mind. He ain't our king, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And so the custom was that the Roman governor about the Passover would release a criminal but this time it was going to be a compromise for this exchange. Pilate was hoping, because of the character of Barabbas, that there's no way that the Jewish people would want Barabbas released. This kind of tells you just how bent they were again on why, or that they wanted to kill Jesus. And they said, no, not this, we don't want Jesus Barabbas. Now, who is Barabbas? Well, our text tells that he was a robber. I really like what Mark 15, 7 describes him. And among the rebels in prison, the rebels, who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Look, Barabbas was a brutal man. Of course, he was against Rome. He would Involved in insurrection, he was a murderer, he was a robber, he was just a vile man. Surely you wouldn't want him released into your society. He needed to be locked up behind bars or even punished to death. 
And so Pilate thought this would be a great compromise. Right? I'll just release Jesus. We'll keep Barabbas. Things will be fine. But guess what the crowd clamored for? Crucify him. Crucify him. They wanted Barabbas. They did not see the innocency of Jesus. And they wanted him to die. So Barabbas was exchanged for Jesus. Which gives us a wonderful, wonderful principle. Notice, the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Barabbas. Christ became the substitute for Barabbas. What Barabbas should have received, Jesus will take upon himself. Which illustrates this wonderful truth that Christ is our substitute. We are Barabbas. We are vile. We're no better than Barabbas. We are a people who murder. We are a people who commit adultery. We are a people who lie, cheat, steal at any cost. We are Barabbas. But I love what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. What Peter had captured in this very thought is that the death of Jesus, which only had to be done one time, for it to be effective. That he exchanged himself for us, the Barabbases, the unrighteous ones, for the purpose that he might bring us to God. That we might have a relationship with our Creator. He is our Savior. So being put to death in the flesh, which was necessary, he was raised again. That our sins could be forgiven that our sins could be wiped clean, that we could be made righteous in Him and have the promise of eternal life. Jesus exchanged His life for ours. Notice what Romans 5, 8 says. But God shows or demonstrates is the idea, his love for us. Did we sing a lot about his love this morning? God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still Barabbases, <laughs> while we were still sinners, Christ died for on behalf of us. How great is his love? 
This is so important of a truth. Because how many people walk this world that feel like there's no way based on what, how, what I have done that God would love me? Yes, He does. He proved it to you. He took your place on the cross that you don't have to die in your sins and be separated from Him for all eternity. Christ died for you because He loves you. There's no greater love, there's no greater love story that can be told than the gospel of Jesus Christ. How our Creator, our, our, our God, the Creator of the universe came to walk among men and to die and to suffer and to shed His blood for us because He loves us. He loves you. What does God have to do to prove it to you and convince you that He loves you? The cross. The cross. Exchanging His life for yours. For our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Everything that Jesus did was for us. It was for our benefit. And here is Jesus who knew no sin. Innocent, as innocent could be. took upon himself the punishment we deserved that we might become the righteousness of God that we might be made worthy it is true we're not worthy but Christ is should we be loved in this manner probably not but God loves you Are we dirty, rotten sinners? Absolutely. There's not one in this room that isn't a sinner. If he is, will you please stand up? And I'd be scared if Jesus came, like, like here he is, because he's the only one. Then again, if he did come back, we're going home. Jesus is the only sinless one that has ever walked this earth since Genesis chapter 3. And he came to save sinners like you and me. That we could have a relationship with him. That we could be given eternal life. You see, it was us who deserved the cross. But Jesus took our punishment. And it doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter you may think to yourself I am unredeemable you're redeemable think of the most vile people that's walked on this earth do you know that Hitler was redeemable 
I mentioned Charles Manson. Do you know that he's redeemable? Whatever vile person you can think of is redeemable. Because, you know, that, that same drop of blood that ran down Jesus' side to forgive a lie was the same to forgive murder. And really, if there are people who are unredeemable, then I'm just going to go back home and pack things up and forget about all this. But what Jesus did was no matter what gross sin that you may have committed, or maybe what we might consider in, my, in, in man's eyes a, 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 just a, you know, a little white lie, Jesus paid the price for it all. And we can be forgiven. We can have a relationship and a wonderful, fruitful relationship with Christ no matter what's in our past, no matter what we have done, because Christ paid the price for us. So what will you do now? Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. What are you going to do with that? If you're here this morning and you feel like, you know, there's just, I just can't see why God loves me. I just can't see God would forgive me. I don't know what more I could show you that he does. What are you going to do now? Will you cry to him? And, and, and say, Lord, I see what the Bible says of you loving me. I, I'm, I'm having a struggle of you accepting the idea of forgiving me. <laughs> but forgive me. Save me. Because I want a relationship with you. Will, the, will that be your decision? Maybe some of us, we've been walking with the Lord for some time, but I don't, I don't, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I, I still sin. We all do. Maybe sometimes we, we, we because we've allowed, you know, sin to enter our lives, we, 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 we kind of, you know, we might be a little embarrassed or, you know, we, we, we kind of might, you know, I got you know, we kind of distance ourselves from God, you know, because it really seems like when, we, when we're really struggling in sin, we, we, you know, we stop reading our Bibles, we, we start praying, we, we even kind of remove ourselves from God's people. We just, it's just, this just begins, a, a, you know, a, a kind of a snowball effect of just continuing to distance ourselves when really all we need to do is continually go to Jesus. For even John wrote that Jesus is just and able to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That no matter if we've been walking with him for 30 years, he still, made the, he still paid the price for your sin. And he wants you to come back home. He wants you to turn from your sin and worship at his feet. And learn of him and grow and mature and allow him to bless you. If you'll turn back to him, what will you do now?
But here's what, when I think about Christ as our substitute, it, it, it leads me to worship. Because this is a profound thought that just continues to reoccur in my heart and mind. That Jesus, who created all things, would leave his heavenly throne and become like men, our Creator, who called in the very existence of heaven and earth and everything that is contained therein, became one of us to die for me. Our Creator died that He might have a relationship with us, with me, with you. And that just, that just causes me to, to, be, you know, to, 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 to have some excitement in my heart of just how much He loves us where I will come and I will worship at His feet and thank Him for all the things that I'm not worthy of because He loves me. And maybe that's your response this morning. Thank you, Lord. You know, like that old song, thank you, Lord. Don't make me sing. That's Aaron's job. For saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole to worship. I don't know what decision you need to make today, but I know this. Jesus loves you. And if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask us all to stand. And if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, There's no better time. There is no better place than to call to Jesus, asking Him to forgive you, asking Him to save you. And I know this, because the Word of God is true, that the Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved will be saved. It's a fact. Call on Him today and accept Jesus. If you're here this morning and maybe you, you, you're a child of God, but you've kind of wandered, you've kind of gone astray, you know what I love about God? He, make, he allows us to make U-turns. He's a God of second chances, third chances, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how many chances he's given me. I'm just that hard-headed. But he allows me to come back, and he'll allow you to come back. If you'll turn from your sin and just run to Jesus. Will you run to him today? Or maybe you're here, and you just simply want to worship. You just simply want to thank God for what he has done for you. And just praise Him for saving your soul.
would you do that this morning? As we close our eyes and maybe bow your heads, you know, if you if you want to come to the altar, if you'd like to to just speak with me, maybe you need need to be saved, that you need Jesus in your life. I would love to pray alongside with you. Will you do that this morning? If you just want to take this opportunity just to, in your heart, in your mind, just thank Him for what great things that He has done for you. Then do that. Maybe you need to make that course correction in your life. Then do that this morning. But don't leave here doing nothing. Worship, turn back to Him, or cry to Jesus to save your soul. What will you do? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for coming to this earth. Lord, forgiving your Son that our sins will be forgiven and that we can have a right relationship with you. And Father, if there's one here that has yet to cry to you to be saved, Father, I pray that they will do that today. Father, you, you have proved you loved us. You, you, you showed that you are jealous for us, that you desire us to be in relationship with you. And Father, I pray that we can reflect that relationship in our lives. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you for all that you've done. For it is in Jesus' name we pray.